dry desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Knapp. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Hey everybody, it's Chris and welcome to another episode of Coast to Coast PM. We're going to start calling these the Sunday Sermons and I do mean S-U-N, Sunday, as in the mighty Lord creator of all that is good and holy in our solar system, soul. That's right, Sunday. So these are going to be the Sunday sermons, and I kind of want to make sure that I'm, I'm building off of each and every other sermon. And so that means that, and I don't know how many of you grew up in the church, but I did. And there's, there's always like monthly themes in the church and I and I that's kind of what I'm hoping to do with this is is it be a sermon that 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 these are lessons that that hopefully we can eternalize and grow together and maybe maybe even spiritually grow together a little bit and and I'm being dead serious about that I I really have seen a lot of what we've done with Coast to Coast PM, and I hope what I can maybe expound upon a little bit more in somewhat of a, a more serious tone, but I hope I, I hope I can be exciting and funny and stuff like that during this whole period, but, but at the end of the day, for me, there is some kind of religious intonation to this i i hope i am imparting some wisdom that you come away from these with thoughts that that stick with you that that meme has those extra spike proteins and i hope you share them with us we have the subreddit coast to coast pm and i would love if some of y'all would share your thoughts about what it is we're discussing here these ideas on memes these ideas of the creation of civilization about mimetic energy maybe you have some thoughts on what it is that makes an idea more virile than another. And I would love to discuss that because again, like I said, I don't exactly know what it is. I have a couple of ideas and we may get into those. Not yet though. We got a lot of building to do. We really do. I uh, I didn't realize how much there was to some of these themes before I started talking about it. And... Paul made fun of me, naturally. Naturally, he listened to the whole thing. God bless him. And he's heard a lot of this before. But 
he said that he hoped that many of you appreciated how much he has to reel me in sometimes and how much he has to control me sometimes because sometimes I just get a, a thought in my head and I can't really control it and I just kind of follow it and he's always really good to have there because he can you know metaphysically smack me around a little bit and say come back to it but these are probably, these Sunday sermons are going to be a good way for me to get some of those ideas out that I think are important to, to provide to our listeners. Because again, the Coast to Coast AM, we're having, like, that's so much fun, right? We love listening to Coast, and we love talking about all the crazy ideas that allow us to sometimes, especially when it's somebody who is particularly interesting, and like we were saying before, I enjoy the meme. And that reminds me, let me go ahead and apologize for the audio. We just got this beautiful blue mic. Thank you to our patrons. Love y'all. And I didn't really know how to use it. I had it turned around. Blah, 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 blah. It wasn't good. Hopefully this audio is better. It will get... My audio will get increasingly better as I figure out how the heck to use this thing. And so I was saying that Paul was making fun of me because I was bouncing all over the place. And that's just going to be a general problem that I have. I'll try to get better. I will, I will do my best to get better. But I was going back and I was, I was listening because I knew this is a, this is a long-standing issue for me. That I was, I didn't connect some threads, and so I wanted to do a quick update to loosen some of the threads that I discussed in the last episode. And so let's start with. DJT, right? Former President Donald Trump. And so I, I, I had made some statements in the last sermon in which I went back and I wasn't clear exactly what I was I was trying to get at. But what I was what I was really trying to say was that a lot of what the mimetic energy for me, was a form of hero worship, a form of, and we see it all the time now in the form of Marvel movies. That's probably the big one, DC movies, these superhero movies. But we also kind of see it in our politicians. Beto O'Rourke for the Democrats, Stacey Abrams for the Democrats. Josh Hawley for the Republicans. Many of us don't like him, but many people do. Ted Cruz. These people who are normal human beings, but we give them some kind of adoration for whatever reason it is. They're saying the things that we believe. 
people who we look to admire these people, so we also admire them. And this is classic. This has been happening since the dawn of time. But what made Donald Trump different? And I was trying to touch upon it when I was talking about the snake oil salesman. And I didn't do a great job of expounding about that because there were other ideas that came into my head and I went down those lines. But let me go back and just for a minute, probably more than a few minutes, discuss what I meant by Donald Trump being a snake oil salesman. Because it's not just a snake oil salesman, but that is, that is part of what it is that I'm talking about. It's... Barnum and Bailey, it's, you know, we don't really have them a whole lot anymore, and we it's hard for us to fathom it if we've never heard it before, but Vaudeville was the pre-circus. Vaudeville was traveling groups of people. There would be the sideshows like the wolf-faced boy or the bearded lady. But there would also be people selling their wares. There would be theater shows. And these would have all been of varying degrees of professionality. Right? And in the South, there was a tradition that many of these groups were incredibly unprofessional. They were selling you a show, right? You were being sold on the hopes of being entertained. And that became a pretty well-known trope throughout the South. And trope, right, it's a meme. It becomes a mimetic energy was after, this is probably post-1800s, possibly even post-Civil War, that a revival happens in the South, especially revival. This is this a rejuvenation of the Christian church. People start flocking back into the church and traveling preachers start just setting up tents in the middle of fields and essentially allowing people you know they would go into the different towns in the area and they would say hey we're having a revival out in the middle of blank and blank field come get you some old time religion and again, many of these people were incredibly charismatic. This is key. This is important. you got to be able to convince the people that you're selling something worth their time. And there's always a part, especially in the Southerner, that understands this is a show. I am being sold something. Every Southerner I know 
understands this. They've grown up in the church. They have seen charismatic and they've seen not charismatic. Dullards. Preachers. Boring, boring preachers. They're the worst. They're just up there droning all about God knows what. But the charismatic preachers... It doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't actually matter what they're up there talking about because I'm captivated. That boring preacher is going to get a couple of dollar bills out of me. The charismatic preacher, the one who makes me feel those spirits we were talking about in the last sermon. Who's going to make me feel that without a substance? And that is what Donald Trump was giving these people a feeling. Do I understand that I'm being lied to? Do I understand that this person is selling me? Yes, I understand it. I get that. Do I believe half of what this man is selling me? No. I don't. I do not believe it. But what I do believe is that other people believe it. And this is that, do we tra take Trump literally or do we take Trump seriously? And that's always kind of a funny one to understand. But I think liberally minded people took Trump literally. They understood only what he was saying. The direct words. The, the meme he wanted you to believe he was portraying. And so that's why we got all these ideas about he's a Nazi, he's a fascist, he's whatever, because he says these crazy things. In actuality, he didn't really do any of it. In actuality, he was actually just mostly a normal Republican president who said some crazy stuff that was had a particularly funny Twitter compared to all the other dullards out there, all the other, you know, elite born, lived in this system for 50 years, 60 years in some cases. My God, these people have doo-doo diapers. But what Trump gave us for the people who were in the know, who didn't take him literally, but took him seriously, and that's the other coin right that is the other coin and i think most people who supported donald trump understood what they were doing was they were sending a clown a showman a barnum or bailey a man to direct the three ring circus to utterly horrify the elites who had been horrifying us 
for decades at this point. Many of us don't know what a functioning United States looks like. Many of us do not really understand what it actually means to be able to attain the American dream anymore. We're exhausted. We don't have anything to believe in. The church has failed us. Our government has failed us. Our local leaders have failed us. And here came this jester. Here came this comedian. Here came this showman. This is what he's been doing his whole entire life has been selling you a dream. A dream. That is what Donald Trump has been selling his whole entire life, has been a dream. He was well situated into this. And all of us had been bamboozled by Barack Obama in 2008, eight years before. Especially the millennials. Especially the millennials. Bamboozled. They advertised the crap out of that campaign. Very impressive. Very impressive. I imagine many of you were Obama supporters. Some of you probably couldn't vote when Obama ran in 2008. I couldn't either. But I worked on the campaign. I volunteered. I made signs. I knocked doors. I believed in the hope and change. What a glorious thing to elect the first black president who was going to change the whole world. He didn't change anything. In fact, he solidified the rigid structures that had been happening since the 1970s. And so we sent this man as a giant middle finger to the elite who had sucked us dry. Who had sucked the life force and the blood from the American populace so that they could have a bigger yacht. So they could have that third house in the mountains so that they could go out and eat steak every night. They sucked up all of the juice out of America. They left most of us behind. They have more in common with the elite of other countries than they do with the lowest common denominator in their own country. And not even just the lowest common denominator, but do you think somebody making $50,000, $60,000 actually tracks to somebody in the Senate, in the House? Somebody who makes $50,000 in a day 
one day, a week, two weeks, a month. I don't care. But they can make $50,000 much quicker than somebody who it takes a whole year to make that much money. There are so many people in America who don't even make $50,000 that if they could make $50,000, they thought they would be on easy street. $60,000, that's where I'll be happy. These are all just, it it doesn't matter at that point. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? These don't, we don't track. We don't come up in conversation. They can't understand anymore what it means to decide, am I paying my heating bill this winter or am I feeding my children this winter? Or maybe my children are only going to eat rice and beans, hamburger helper, because I do have to pay the heating bill. I live in Michigan. I live in Pennsylvania. I live in Maine. I'm going to have to go out and chop wood to keep us warm for the winter. These people can't fathom that anymore. And I think that the underlying meme of the general populace in the United States understands this, right? We can't place it. We don't have the words. We don't have the mimetic structure to put together what is happening to us right now. What is happening to us right now? What has put us in this spot where I can't imagine doing better than my parents? My parents didn't have this thought. They both did better than their parents previously. Who did better than their grandparents. I come, okay, yes, I come from a white middle class background, hetero background, right? Things have been pretty easy for me compared to others. Absolutely. But this is what I'm saying. If I am having a difficult time, how many others are having a difficult time? And this is what what the kind of Occupy movement was trying to do, but did a terrible job of encapsulating and spreading, was that the vast majority of us are struggling terribly. We not only physically, but we're struggling mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Because there is nothing to look forward to. What is there to look forward to for many of us? I'm going to be in a series of dead-end jobs, inflation. Maybe I'll have some kids. Maybe I'll 
be able to retire maybe at some point. Hard to see. We don't have any pensions. Nobody has a pension anymore. Maybe if you're a government worker, but other than that, we got some 401k that's maybe making some money, but just wait until the first recession, possibly depression that comes. 401k gets wiped out, of course. So one of the easiest things for the elite to take. It's all just stored there for them. Just gobble it up. Eat it up. And we're apathetic now. Which makes it worse. It really does. It actually makes things much worse. Because many of us understand that there is nothing for us to do. Is that actually the case? Is that actually the case? Is there anything for us to do? Absolutely there is. A million percent. There are so many things we could be doing right now in our everyday lives to ensure the eventual collapse of the elite power structure. And we'll get into those. That's a later sermon though. But the apathy that many of us feel towards this slow-moving wall. Like, in episode, what was it, episode four, Star Wars, when they're in the trash heap, in the, in the Death Star, and the walls are just slowly closing, and they're trying to, trying to, brace the walls from closing so they don't get crushed. We are all slowly being crushed. We are all slowly being suffocated. Every single day, a little bit more suffocation. Because we're not necessary. But more on that later. More on that later. What I was trying to say is that this was this was something that I think many people internalized in the United States. Right? Again, we don't have the words for it. We don't have the form for it. We don't have the ability to explicate what it is that is happening to us. But we know something is wrong. We know something isn't right. And so, what are we going to do in the... the it, 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 and they built us for this. They've been telling us now since at least 2000, Bush v. Gore, just vote. All you can do is vote. This is the most important election of your life. Make sure you vote. Are your friends registered to vote? Have they voted? Make sure they vote. Vote for the Democrat. Vote for the Republican. All you can do, the only thing that will really make you a true citizen is to cast your ballot. And that is all they've wanted from us probably before 2000, but it the meme now is stuck in my head that it happens around 2000. This, the only thing that you're really needed for as a citizen is your ballot every two to four years, but honestly every four years because they only really want us voting in the presidential. So, what do we do? What do we do? 
a lot of people came out and cast their ballot. And the one meaningful interaction that they have with the government structure that oversees them every single day of their lives that has felt as if it was crushing them for decades. I want to cast my ballot for Donald John Trump, the showman, who again, as I said, every person who placed their ballot for Donald Trump took him seriously, not literally. There probably were some who did, who thought that wall really was getting eight feet taller every single time he said it. It would have been an 800-foot-tall wall as many times as Donald Trump probably said that phrase. And it broke their minds. It broke the American elite's mind, many of them, because this is something we're going to get into probably a little bit later is that there's always going to be wedges in the elite power structures. They can't help it. It's that lizard brain. I'm not getting all of my treats. So there's probably something I can do to ensure that I get more treats. And that's what many of the elites who supported Donald Trump were thinking. But I don't think they understood the mimetic fluctuation that was about to take place. Because I think many people, and we see this when we go back and look at those 2015 clips of Morning Joe or Rachel Maddow or Jake Tapper, whoever else, right? Whatever. Whoever the hell, stupid, idiot, talking head that these mainstream nonsense media corporation conglomerates want to just like force feed us. And we keep on telling them we don't want to hear from these people, but they don't listen. I guess there's like 150,000 people that in the United States, 350 million people in this United States, 150,000 people want to listen to these people. They all thought that Donald Trump was a joke. None of them believed at all at the very beginning that Donald Trump had something worthwhile. And for those of us who ride the meme for those of us who take a, a critical look at history, I think we understood exactly what Donald Trump was and where he was going to be such an interesting problem for the Republican establishment is because he had this underlying meme generating on the internet and this is a, this is this is i have to come to this 
every once in a while is that I am probably on the internet too much. I'm not on Twitter, which I think actually makes me a better interpreter of what's going on, and I and I try to get as many different viewpoints as possible. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm probably on the internet too much. But I saw so many of these people, as I was saying in the last sermon, I saw so many of these people discount the mimetic energy that Donald Trump had, which I think is actually somewhat of a telltale sign of a meme's ability to penetrate is elite discounting the meme. I talked a little bit about Constantine accepting Christianity as the state religion of Rome. I talked a little bit about Strom Thurmond no longer being able to be a pro-segregationist. He had not only to integrate, but he then had to do things for the black populace in South Carolina. And these are just a couple of, of examples of what who were elite people who, if we look at Constantine, actually persecuted Christians for the first part of his life, was a part of the public spectacle of killing Christians in very gruesome manners, very spectacle entertainment forms for the masses. And the same thing with Strom Thurmond. He, he got some enjoyment from persecuting blacks in South Carolina, from being a racist. He derived meaning from that and was propelled most of his life by segregation. Same thing with Constantine, propelled by this idea of a state religion in which he was one of the gods, but also a pagan belief that perpetuated the whole entire society. But Christianity kept on growing, and it was a because, I think, of the persecution, not despite of the persecution. Same thing with our black brothers and sisters in South Carolina. Because they began the idea the, the persecution against blacks, stopping them from registering to vote, stopping them from casting ballots, stopping them from eating at lunch tables, lunch counters, with their white brothers and sisters. The persecution gives the people meaning. 
I will overcome this becomes the meme that gives the movement power. I will overcome this. And the elite, unknowingly, and this is the thing, this is, this is how we know that our elite power structure can be defeated. Is because they walked into the Donald Trump trap. Not only did they not take him seriously, which is one of the first problems. This would have been the early church. This would have been like 60, 70 AD. They're not taking the Christianity problem seriously. It's spreading too quickly. Again, what is it that's happening? I'm not 100% sure. I don't know why it's spreading so easily. Again, I have some ideas. I think essentially... Just to give you a quick little up, you know, quick little idea. I think it has something to do with particularly tough times. The society is stressed for whatever reason. I think Christianity has some interesting ideas about redemption, being able to go to heaven one day by following this certain way that I think was probably particularly attractive to early people. And I think that it gave them a sense of community and a sense of an ability to be able to control what was happening to them in some way. And I actually think compared to a lot of the other pagan religions was particularly easy to enter. All you needed to really truly believe was that Jesus Christ was your savior. And, and, and that was it. Paul, the, the, the man who creates Christianity, people want to give Jesus all the credit, but Paul is the man. Paul is the Donald Trump of 150 AD. He's just a salesman. He's just a guy that, that, that gets a pretty good meme and is like, I'm going to freaking kill off this. They're going to love this in Thrace. They're going to love this in Jerusalem. They're going to love this in Egypt, baby. I'm going to give them something they're going to love. And he took out all the hard stuff. You didn't need to follow the kosher laws of Judaism anymore. He took that out. You don't need to cut off the skin around your penis. He takes that out. It becomes exceedingly easy to become a Christian in the early tradition. And so you get this sense of agency. You have an easy ability to join the religion, the movement, the meme. You add on top of that persecution from the outside that strengthens the resolve of the internal dynamics. 
And then you have, again, in Christianity, you have to prophesize. You have to evangelize. You have to convert others because they have to also get into Christianity. And so you have all these things that 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 help perpetuate the meme of Christianity to where we come to Constantine and he's looking over his empire and he's saying, holy crap, I either have to be consumed by this thing, which no elite wants, not one elite is ever going to take that pill unless they are so isolated they can't even understand what is happening in the society and i think that's coming i think that's coming we'll get to that later what they're almost always going to choose instead is internalize the new meme constantine constantine takes on christianity he says fine this is the new state religion. I'm going to quell the rebellion. There's not even any longer a rebellion because all the rebellion was about was that these people just wanted to practice their religion. I've now accepted the religion. There's nothing to fight about. Same thing with Strom Thurmond. Strom Thurmond understands he could no longer be a racist. He can no longer be a segregationist. Black people have political power in South Carolina. He doesn't want to give up his Senate seat. He's worked his whole entire life to become a senator of South Carolina. He is a well-respected member of an elite institution. Nationally recognized, internationally recognized. As a grand statesman, he does not want to lose that power nobody does the lizard brain is too strong it's saying i need to gobble up treats i want to remain gobbling up treats in fact i want more and more treats and the only way i'm going to get more and more treats is by holding on to the power and by holding on to the power i have to change who I have said that I am, but it doesn't matter. This is the thing. This is the thing. You, the, the elite power structure, at the end of the day, all they care about is the power and what that power can give them. Strom, Strom doesn't have to understand this. Strom internalizes this by being where he is constantly constantine internalizes this by being where he is on the the mimetic power continuum constantine is near the top the very pinnacle of human power but at the end of the day has to bow down to the mimetic energy. Strom Thurmond has to prostrate himself to the new mimetic energy that is taking place in their respective realms. And one of the things that I fear more than anything, and maybe 
and 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 maybe this isn't it is a fear it is a fear it literally it, it legitimately is a fear because i always think that i wish history would have gone a different way and i don't know what it is you know was it kennedy was it fdr or was it even before that right was it the reformation was it Constantine accepting Christianity again as we were saying before it's built into the very foundation of civilization from the very beginning when we're just building villages when we're just building towns it's built from the very beginning from there and where I think we're we're culminating in where i think we're bubbling up to what i think the future holds to us is actually pretty dark i think we may be heading into a possible dark age and that is pretty terrifying it's pretty horrifying to think about and the reason I think we're heading towards that dark age is because I I mentioned a little bit earlier and I wanted to go into it a little bit more is that I believe that what leads to widespread revolution and rebellion from the underclass, right? What Marx called the proletariat, what in the U.S. we've taken to call the working class. We're all working class, you dum-dums. We're all working class. Unless your money is making you money, you are working class. Unless you are a landlord and all you do is collect a check, you are a part of the working class. do you have a boss do you have somebody who tells you what to do every day you're working class i hate to tell you if, if if no one's ever told you this before but you are and i hate to be the one who is giving you this news but the vast majority of us the huge amount of us it's probably like 90 percent of us are working class I, I, I would fall off a cliff very quickly if I didn't have my job. Become destitute. I'm probably one serious medical malady from being in serious trouble. And I think that describes most of us. And that kind of stress builds and what we see in the 1940s this is just as the most recent prevalent form of this but it's happened throughout history and we have seen what happens when the elite don't learn quickly we have revolution We have revolution, we have, you know, the French called it the terror, where 
the elite of that time have to be killed because they've 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 isolated themselves so much they can't even fathom what is going on in the daily life of the people they rule over the people they're supposed to lead in the sense of the republic they have no idea the stress of the working class and in fact put more hardship more stress upon the working class covid inflation you start a recession that turns into a depression Artificial intelligence is taking over creative class, white-collar jobs, still working class for the most part. All those peoples have bosses, but they're losing their jobs. The diversity, equity, inclusion people who have been losing their jobs out of the tech companies. These are all intellectuals. For the most part, right? They do their work with their mind. That's fine. That's okay. There's no problem with that. It's, in fact, I wish that at one point in the future that almost all of us are mostly working with our minds. And that if we want to work with our hands, we can work with our hands. We're not forced to, right? And we're not forced to work with our minds. You know, whatever you're good at, you get to do. Wonderful world. What a, what a fascinating concept. Not forced to do something because of poverty. Because you need to eat. Because y you need to survive for another day. For what reason? And this is the problem. For what reason? And it... it the... The working class, the proletariat, the lower classes can take a lot, a lot of abuse. A lot of abuse. The one thing that they won't abide as a whole is hunger. They won't do it. The lower classes will not abide being hungry. It's one of the main reasons why in ancient Rome you see so much bread being given out. So much bread. You just had to fill that belly enough to get that person through the next couple of days until they were entertained in some kind of grand spectacle. You cannot have hungry people. Because the, the lower class, and it's not their fault, again, almost as if for the elite power structure, for whatever reason, it's not actually their fault either. We're all doing exactly what the pieces have provided. And there have been individuals who have seen their way out of this conundrum, 
right? It's it's almost sadly very very sad. I'm so sad to say, my dear coasternauts, but it really is it really is Calvinism. And for those of you who don't know John Calvin, early uh, Protestant who gives us the idea of predestination and what I mean by predestination is that from the moment you're born to the moment you die God knows every action you're going to take everything is predescribed there you don't really have any free will you're just kind of a cog in the machine doing what God wants you to do. I mean, that's really the best way to do it. You're a cog in the machine. You're you're not actually acting upon the world. It's God who is acting upon the world. And so that means that as soon as you're born, God already knows if you're going to heaven or going to hell. And that's actually kind of a funny way of describing a lot of history most of us the vast majority of us i mean it's like 99.999 I'm, I'm looking all the way down through the millennia at the nines the vast majority of us will never be able to truly fathom our place inside the machinery right that fish Swimming in the water. How many fish do you think under, understand the concept that they need the water to survive? Now, you could say you could pull the fish out of water and they will die or they will sit there and they will suffocate until you put them back in water. Does the fish realize that they are now in a new world? Where they can't breathe, but they look around and they see things breathing. And they get placed back in the water and they can breathe again. That fish has an ability to now see things as no other fish could. This is something that happens rarely in humanity. Very rare. Very rare. One of my favorite little quotations is the average human has more in common with a chimpanzee than the average human has with Aristotle. And again, I don't think I, I totally believe that, but I understand the bubbling nature of what the speaker was trying to say is that most of us will never fathom what it is that we're looking at here. That we're that we're we're scoping our place in history, our place on the power grid, our place in the mimetic atmosphere, that what I've been pulled out of water. And now I know there's another world. There is a world beyond the water. 
I can see it. I can I, I I tasted it. I saw it with my own two eyes. This this whole new realm of being. But I can't attain it by myself. And so I have to go out and I have to spread the knowledge of what this new world looks like. It has taken many forms throughout our history. And you can say some of them were crackpots. Many of them were. Joseph Smith is the one that always comes directly into my head. But Dr. Tabor told me that I can't call them cults. But these religious movements are merely ideas, memes, perpetuating themselves, right? A charismatic figure is incredibly helpful, but not always necessary. But what is necessary is that this thought can interact with the world in which we all find ourselves in. So many of, I think one of the biggest problems that we have right now is that there, every individual can build their own world. We don't have a shared reality. There is, there is the shared reality. Don't let them ever tell you there isn't. There is a truth. There's not there's not his truth or her truth. There's not there is a side to every story, but at the end of the day, there's what's actually happened. There is the reality, there is the imprint on time of the thing that actually happened. Don't let them tell you that that doesn't exist because it does. There is a singular truth. And one of my goals in my life is to attain the truth. And we have to do that by understanding as many other truths, a bunch of conceptualized truths, other people's truths, what they understand to be true, their lived experience. We have to collect those. And... We have to go out like our ufologists and collect the stories and put them together and let's see what it is that we can put together for us that is the truth or as close as to the truth as we can get to it. And so what the elite have done is that they've, they've, ostracized themselves from the mimetic sphere in which the vast majority of us find ourselves in. 
Now there's some interesting things happening here and I was trying to get to them with the algorithm. But I cut myself off, I think midstream, because I didn't want it to be too long. But our elite believe they control the algorithm. And it would it would make sense as to why they believe they control the algorithm. They control the intellectual property that is the quote-unquote algorithm, right? The actual code that makes up the machine that does the work of thousands of humans, right? The CEO of Netflix isn't going in and checking how does the code look today. Almost no one anymore is actually checking the code. They just see the variables coming out of it, right? How many eyeballs are looking now? How many ears are listening? How many fingers are typing or tweeting or responding to X whatever? They believe that they're controlling the algorithm. And what have they done with that control? Their plan was to get even more eyeballs, even more brains, even more mouths, even more fingers responding to whatever it is, right? So in the case of Netflix... I sit there and I binge three TV shows in a weekend. I listen to 15 hours of Spotify in five days because of the music that they're feeding me, right? And it's it's not they who is feeding it. It's not the conglomerate that is Spotify. It's the algorithm, that is feeding it to me. And they can control the people at Spotify, the people at Netflix, the people at whatever company you want to choose now. Pick one. And see how many algorithms they have. Most of them probably really only have one algorithm anymore. And what is the algorithm? The algorithm is more more, more. It's the same as civilization from the beginning. It's extract. Extract. And in different cases, it's going to look differently, but it's still extract our minds, extract our attention, extract our dollars. But this is the first time that that has been automated. And I think one of the things that we're beginning to learn as a society, it's a little bit slower than I would have wanted, but again, I suffer from it all the same, is knowing that it's happening to us. We're all collectively starting to learn that the first take is the wrong take almost always. 
we're all starting to learn, and this is this is going to be one that that it, it probably takes a couple of iterations, but I think we're all going to get pretty hyped to it pretty soon. Is the fake video? We've all seen it. We're going to get fooled a couple of times, but you know the George Bush saying, "Fool me once, shame on you." Fool me twice, you can't get fooled again. We're going to get fooled a couple of times. But most of us are pretty hip to the jive. We're not going to interact immediately. And I think many of us are learning the algorithm as well. It's going to take, it's always going to take some time. Think how old the internet actually is, the ubiquity, the everyone having a phone in their pocket is really maybe only a decade old. Maybe 20 years for every, not every household, but many households in the United States having a computer, some way to, to, to reach the internet. But our elites believe they control it, right? We're the dullards. We're the ones being swindled, right? They believe themselves to be the showman, to be the Barnum and Bailey. But this actually isn't the case. We are all being, we are all internalizing the meme and they are being further and further ostracized and we're seeing this actually quite literally now this is why we get the bunkers in wyoming why we get the bunkers in new zealand why we get the rush to the moon rush to mars they understand quite clearly how much the elite have isolated themselves. The elite probably have internalized this more than any of us can ever fathom. It's why they have these giant yachts and they have to go to private islands. They have to be able to get away. They have to be able to separate themselves because they are no longer a part of the vast societal meme and this is very bad this is not a good thing this is and this is something that it's taking me a very long time to come to terms with this is not good donald trump was just a symptom of this. He was not the root cause. He was a harbinger, the canary in the perpetual coal mine that is our society. When the masses are where they are at, what we are seeing now, their ability to enter team sports and if we remember in my last sermon what do we mean by team sports we mean collectivizing collectivizing in a tribal atmosphere in which you just fully perpetuate the lore 
right? You're no longer a rational human being. You're just reacting. You're almost pure lizard brain at this point. And many of us are. Many of us are pure lizard brain. I'm a Democrat. I vote for Joe Biden. You got to vote for Joe Biden. You can't not vote for I vote for Donald Trump. You can't not vote for Donald Trump the best. Whatever. Who cares? But also, many of us are looking for something to give us an answer. And many have also chosen politics. Which, again, increases the nature of the tribal presence in our politics. It's a vicious cycle. Incredibly vicious cycle. So now you have all these people who are somewhat led by their elites, right? As we talked before, there's a wedge. And we have for a long time been under a unipolar elite structure but it's beginning to rift it's beginning to break apart and there's now factions one of them being the trump wing and it's become less prevalent as he's destroyed more norms and by norms, I mean, and this is only for elites, almost entirely, right? Like, we have to follow laws, but elites have to follow norms. And that is the mimetic atmosphere that the elites have to move in. It's different than ours. It's, it's, it's actually much much different than ours. They can get away with things within their spheres that many of us wouldn't be able to get away with our spheres. I think many of you understand what I'm talking about here. Jeffrey Epstein ring a bell, anyone? But that's just a small, that's just one example of it. It's, 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 Henry Kissinger being able to kill hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Laotians and Cambodians, and he gets a Nobel Peace Prize. Same thing with Obama. Droning children, droning hospitals. The man gets a Peace Prize. These people should be in prison. But here's a Nobel Peace Prize. Enjoy. Have fun. And so I hope I've I've maybe answered some of the questions from the last sermon. Some of the ideas have been a little bit more expounded upon. Make sure you go to coasttocoastpm.podbean.com. C2CPMPod at gmail.com. Give the Patreon a little love, $2 a month. And I'll see you at the next sermon. This is Coast to Coast PM. This is Chris. All conspiracy all the time. Later.